and scripture reading guide. Mike, I know we want to do a subject too, but why don't you throw your announcement out real quick about Sycamore and how to use And even Mike forgot. See, I got it. Boom! I remember and Mike forgot. Right, remember. Uh, so, we're having the Sycamore banquet, so a lot of you guys know I'm actually one of the vice presidents of the Sycamore board. And so, we're doing our banquet this year, um, March 4th and 5th. And we are asking for the youth to come serve um, the adults. And so if any of the youth who want to sign your youth up to serve, let us know. So what let them know. Serving food and helping facilitate that, right? Yeah, so if you're interested, we'll announce it again Sunday, but if you're interested to see Mike, they could do some help. And that banquet's a big fundraising uh, two nights for the Sycamore House. And of course, they do a wonderful work in town to support them, and that's another way we can get involved. So, yeah, if, you, if you're interested in that, well, is there a certain bottom age? Does it matter? You're looking at seventh grade on up or something like that? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, good deal. If you have any Bibles, get them out. Galatians chapter 5. We're still in uh, the fruit of the Spirit. We'll be for a little bit. And, um, Here's what I want you to know about the fruit of the Spirit, real quick. When you look at the fruit of the Spirit, we'll read them again in just a second. When you look at what we're saying is the growth of the Christian life that's evidenced in the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life. In other words, uh, when you are saved, you are made a new creation. Amen. But yet, that new creation needs to work itself out, right? What works it out is the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life. And one of the evidences of the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life as new creations coming forth is something like the list of Paul, right? He called it the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, you know a tree by its fruit. You know an apple tree because it grows apples. You know an orange tree because it grows oranges, and so on. Well, you know a Christian. Ultimately, by the fruit that's coming forth, it doesn't mean a perfect railway, it doesn't mean there's not a process of growth, but there will be in time, for those who are allowing the work of the Holy Spirit, there will be an evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit. And Paul makes a list here, and the things that he lists are, are characteristics of a godly, Christ-like nature that will grow in your life over time as the Holy Spirit is able to do so. So the list contains, and again, it's not just some all-inclusive list by Paul is a list maker, I spend all the time. But if you read the letters that he wrote, he makes lists all the time. And he makes a list of characteristics, qualities that mark a Christian, and he lists things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and those kinds of things. Here's what I want you to know. Sometimes when you see a list like this from Paul, and it has uh, love and joy and peace, and you're saying, that should be growing and coming forth from my life in such a way that it's noticeable by others, that they know then that I am a Christian, right? I know there's going to be some of those things that you look at and say, I'm not sure that's possible because I know me. You know what I'm talking about. And I have been this way for so long, is that kind of change in my life possible? And I'm here to tell you it's absolutely positively 110% possible. Right? Because God can do anything, and of course the activity of the Holy Spirit is the activity of God who can do anything. <coughs> so when you look at it this life through the Spirit, and there's some of them just like, man, that. I know that's not me, and I know that maybe I need to become that. I'm not sure that's possible. You need to change that thinking. Yes, it is possible. And yes, that is because, not because by your willpower, your strength, or your own wisdom to happen, it's because you allow the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life to see it happen. That involves praying for it. That involves, uh, when you're convicted about it, to, to understand that you were in the wrong in an action because of a lack of what we would say the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, maybe involve some apologies on your part for your actions or things you have said, and in the course of then uh, allowing change to happen in time. So I want you to know these things are possible. 
And, and remember, we cannot shortcut the growth in our life or what we think is the power stuff of the Bible. Right. I mentioned this last week, let me say it again. So if, if, if I just uh, gave my life to Jesus last week, and let's say yesterday I got filled with the Holy Spirit, at that moment am I open to the operation of the gifts of the Spirit in my life? Am I? Yes. But does that mean I'm mature in my Christian faith? No. And I think sometimes uh, we, we chase gift power instead of chasing growth in the fruit that is the basis for the proper use in those things when the Holy Spirit used them. So I'm saying? So we can't look to that stuff to shortcut growth. Because again, we said this last one, we'll say it again. The Bible says you're known by the fruit, not by the gifts you possess or that you're used in. In other words, I've seen some people, I'm just going to say this to be honest, I've seen some people that definitely talented in natural gifting, and I've seen some people that have moved in the gifts of the Spirit, but ultimately the character of their life didn't follow through because they were more interested in power stuff and not growth. And that is an issue in charismatic and Pentecostal churches because we, we emphasize gifts of the Spirit, we don't emphasize fruit of the Spirit. How about we emphasize fruit so the gifts are used properly and can be used to. So, so in other words, kind of like this. Uh, if, if, I, if I'm a pastor, I'm called, right? I'm, I have a gift, five-fold ministry gift that's been bestowed, and I can develop being a good speaker and all the different stuff, but yet, if I lack self-control, will my lack of self-control eventually cancel out my use of pastoring? Yes. See, I'm getting it. We must grow because there's a foundation for everything else falling into proper place. So, growth in the fruit of the Spirit is ultimately overcoming and replacing the works of the flesh. So, in other words, if you want to stop sinning, grow. So if you are struggling in an area of sin, how do I overcome that? Growth. It takes a little time. Right? It, it could be a lack of self-control. That's one of the spirit. Or, or, or if, it, if it's uh, you're just constantly harsh with people, that's not right. And it's a lack of kindness. Now, let me just say this also before we read the, the Galatians 5, 19 through 22. I've heard it said, and I don't disagree with this, but I've heard it said, you know, the goal of Christianity is not to be nice. Ever hear somebody say that? I don't disagree with that, but I think it's a cop-out, and I think it's said as a cop-out to things like the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Because honestly, honestly, if you are loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and you're kind and you're good, Faithful and gentle, and you're in self control. Well, often enough, people go, That's a nice person. You, you realize you can be full of growth in the fruit of the Spirit and still hate sin? Yeah. <clears throat> you can be full of the growth in the fruit of the Spirit and still not uh, condone sin? You realize when you share your faith, you don't have to be a jerk about it? You know that? <laughs> Peter actually writes in, in 1 Peter, I think, he said about always being ready to give share the reason for the hope that you have. He said, and do it with gentleness and respect. You don't have to shout at people about Jesus. You don't have to. You, what people try to do, they try to personally convict somebody. That's not your job. Amen. Whose job is it to convict people? The Holy Spirit. Jesus actually said when the Comforter and the Helper comes, he said one of the activities of the Holy Spirit is convict the world in regards to righteousness and sin and judgment. It's the job of the Holy Spirit to convict. It's our job to share the message. It's his job to convict, not your job. And sometimes we do a disservice to the gospel and to the kingdom because we try to do his job. Listen to me, I say this all the time. The Holy Spirit is a big boy. He does good at what he does. And the whole reason we're still a church and Christian believers today is the Holy Spirit's good at what he does. And he's been doing it ever since he's been sent here 2,000 years ago. 
right? You don't have to do a job. You don't have to try to force things or come with an attitude to make people think something. Your job is to share the faith. Because who is the author of our faith, by the way? Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. You cannot instill faith in nobody. You can't do it. You share, when they respond to the gospel message, faith is born in them by him. Then he is the one who then goes on the process perfecting our Christian or our faith. Right? Okay, so I was just rabbit trailing and ranting for a minute. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, fits of anger, uh, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Again, it's from this Paul makes. Probably uh, from things that you've heard about the area of Galatia and many people in the Galatian church. And look what he says. And I warn you, as I warned you before. Now, who is he talking to? I warn you as I warned you before. These are people you've been in uh, communication with. These are supposed believers. Right? I warned you as I warned you before that uh, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And here's the connector word, right? The English major. But... In other words, he's saying, here's the opposite of what I just read. The fruit of the Spirit is, or the activity of the growth of, of Christianity in your life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against those things there is no law, and against those, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, what? We just listed uh, things that are uh, the works of the flesh. We crucify those things with the passions and desires. So if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You see that? So if you want to grow out of the works of the flesh, grow into the fruit of the Spirit. You won't just stop sinning, but you must grow into it. That's the thing. That's the key right there. So, we are on tonight peace and patience. We're going to cover two of the fruits here tonight. Peace and patience. So we, we uh, Tori tackled love a couple weeks ago. Uh, last week I talked about kindness, or joy, I'm sorry. Tonight, peace and patience. So peace, let's talk about that. Peace, and, and, and peace is found so much, that word peace is found so much in the scriptures. Jesus in Isaiah 9 is called the Prince of what? Peace. The Prince of Peace. Okay? Peace is a gift, it's a gift from God to man because you will not find true peace in this world, right? So it's a gift to us. I'm telling you, you can search worldly things. Maybe some of the things that Paul lists right there pointing through the Spirit that are uh, works of the flesh. You may find temporary satisfaction but ultimately, those things end in disappointment. That is the cycle of the world. If, if you read Ecclesiastes, right away in Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes, meaningless, meaningless. Everything's meaningless. That's what life ends up like without Jesus. We find peace because it comes from a fulfillment in relationship with God. You realize every book in the New Testament has the word peace in it. Important. So, different ways that, that peace, you know, is activated and works in the believer's life. Here's the first way. Ultimately, Jesus is the Prince of Peace because he reconciles peace between God and man. While you are not saved, Technically, categorically, you are an enemy of God, right? And a child of wrath in your sin, right? The work of Jesus brings reconciliation and peace because he is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is the way to the Father. And that reconciliation, so think about it this way. When Jesus died on the cross, Jesus was not trying to change God's mind about us. 
When Jesus died on the cross, God died on the cross in the essence of his love for us. Grace is kind of love. And the actions of the cross enable peace between God and man because what separated us, sin, can be taken care of. Restored relationships. So we find peace because Jesus enables that reconciliation to happen. Secondly, peace comes because you can find in him peace of mind in renewing your mind. I think there's a lot of people that need to find peace of mind. Amen. Because your mind drives you crazy. Amen. And this is something I know we bring up a lot, but, you know, it, it could be waking up in the middle of the night and being full of anxiousness right up here. <coughs> situation or circumstance or, or something you're going through or peace, peace says that no matter what I am going through, because peace doesn't mean you won't go through stuff. <coughs> He said, in the middle of what I am going through, God has me. Amen. Therefore, I can have peace of mind, not only peace of heart, because God is with me and He's for me, and He is going to work for my good. That's where peace comes from. So, so peace of mind, um, of course, that corresponds with Philippians 4, chapter 7. Uh, when you present your request to God, He will give you peace that passes all understanding. I should be a nervous wreck, or I should be worried, or I should be anxious, but I'm not. <clears throat> because when I present my request to God, that God who has me then turns around and gives me peace that guards my heart and my mind in Him. Peace that transcends all understanding. Peace shows up like this too. Peace between people. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called what? The sons of God. Think about that. Now, why would we be called the sons of God? Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. And let's see. Verse 9. Matthew 5, 9. One of the Beatitudes. Someday we'll do, do a message on, on the Sermon on the Mount. I've been thinking about it. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Why would the peacemakers be called the sons of God? Because Jesus is the prince of what? And he is the son of God. If you want to be like him, you've got to learn to be a peacemaker. Because if you're a peacemaker, you'll be sons of God like the characteristic of Jesus. So in other words, a peacemaker is somebody who is peaceful with other people, right? Uh, let's see, I think there's, I think there's a, a, a verse on that. Yeah, Titus chapter 3. We'll find that. Titus chapter 3. That's after 2 Timothy, towards the back of your New Testament, right before Philemon. Philemon's a little book, you might miss it, so find Hebrews and go to back and read Titus. Titus chapter 3. And verse number one. To remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, and to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. That other translations, that perfect courtesy will be to be peaceful towards other people. That you have an attitude of peace. Now, you will not have that kind of attitude unless the fruit of the Spirit of peace is growing in you, because we're just not like that. We're argumentative. We kind of like to fight with people, we like to disagree. Let, let, me, let me give you a giant burden lifter right now. Ready? Something I learned about 15 years ago. <coughs> I don't have to be right to nobody. So why try to be right to nobody? Why am I going to argue about it? 
Why am I going to prove I'm right and you're wrong? How do I know I'm right anyway? I'm not that big headed, I guess. <coughs> why, why do we have to fight about everything? Why do we have to correct everybody? Why do we got to hang in the shadows, not interact with nobody, but as soon as we think they do something wrong, we got to come out and do something about it? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And by the way, social media, my gosh, it's just all awesome. Well, well, we just got to make sure they know what's the truth. I understand that, but there's a certain way to go about this that you're peaceable. Amen. And not argumentative all the time and having to be right and correct everybody. So, uh, what I learned was being a pastor was I don't have to be right to everybody, so I don't have to argue with everybody because. God can defend himself. He don't need me to defend him. Those that I know in relationships, sure, I'll engage conversation with them. But, but anybody that ever tried to pick a wife with me, I just salute them and say, bless you and move on. I don't care. You're not going to engage me in this, this argument about what you want to correct me about. Sorry. I don't need to be right to you. And if you get that in your mind, I'm telling you, you'll change your life. So you'll get that peaceable. That we learn that being at peace, listen, on our activity is what we're called to. Now, they don't want to be peaceful with me, that's on them, but it's not going to be in this way because of how I act. How I engage people and discuss things, and, and what will I, again, I don't consume condone sin. Yes, uh, the scripture teaches to hate sin. Yeah, absolutely. But I can go about that in a way that I'm not out there correcting the world just because I think I'm right. Be peaceful. You see what I'm getting at? So we are called to see this kind of thing grow in our lives. Now, one thing, by the way, I hear that comes up that comes with peace is this, is that Jesus at one point says, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. So whenever I talk like I'm talking very somebody will say, well, Jesus said he didn't come to bring peace, he come to bring a sword. Well, okay, but context is king. If he's the prince of peace, but he didn't come to bring peace, that makes no sense. Right? If Paul is telling us to grow in peace as a fruit of the activity of the Holy Spirit, then why would Jesus say he didn't come to bring peace? This he only says it there, and he says it in the, in, in the context of people believing in him, it will bring division. Because let's say I get saved and my wife is not, that could cause some contention there. So that doesn't bring peace, but in a certain way, sort Okay? He's talking about those who believe in him, and there can be then a separation from worldly activity and maybe worldly relationships. So belief in him does bring a sword to a certain sense, but he's not saying that we can begin to use that as an excuse not to be peaceable. That's not what he's talking about. Context is king. Okay? So yes, my belief in Jesus as an 18-year-old kid, or however old I was, 17 at the time, it changed things for me. Yes, there are people that I no longer associate with, not because I turned into a jerk towards them, but we diverged paths in life. In life by activity and the things we were doing. So yes, my faith brought a sword in those circumstances. Faith can disrupt the family. Friendships. Right? So that's what Jesus is getting at. But it's not, in other words, people want to use that to make excuse not to listen to other parts of the Bible. So what you find is, I'm going to say this if it makes sense to you, some people try to use the Bible to hide themselves from the growth of of the character of the Christian faith. You can, you can pick anything out of the Bible and use it for something that's not intended for. Context is kin. Does that make sense what I'm saying? So, peaceable. Yeah, we're called to have the fruit of the Spirit of peace to grow into our lives. Now, what comes right behind that is the word patience. There, there are a couple different ways that patience shows up in our lives. The first way is patience in a way that there is a steadfastness, a holding on to your faith in the midst of the circumstances and trials that pop up in life. In other words, I have patience in seeing the things of God through. 
So how many know that the kingdom of God is already right now? Amen. Amen. But how many know the kingdom of God is not yet? Amen. You understand that? So what do we have? We have patience and perseverance till we see it come. Patience is one way of staying the course. I'm patient as I'm waiting. For what? For, for, for uh, the kingdom to continue to work itself through the devil as it is now, in a certain way, but we're also patient in waiting for the return of Jesus. So patience shows up in that way. Most people quit because of a lack of patience in seeing the things of God through in their life. So let's just say self-control, that's pretty spirit. I know I don't have self-control all the time. I've been praying. I've been actively engaging my life to, to see self-control grow, as it were. But since it's taken a while and I get frustrated, I give up. Forget about it. I'm never going to get there. And we quit. Instead of having patience to see the things of God continue to work in our life. Have you ever tried to do something that connects with your Christian faith and you fail so many times you just say, ah, I just can't do it, and you just quit? You know what I'm talking about? Lack of patience. <coughs> the development of patience will help in other things. So patience has to do with you sticking with it. It coupled with perseverance. Patience. To see the things of God through. But then it shows up in another way, and that is in how we deal with other people. <laughs> so I don't, I, I think, I may get this wrong, but I'm going to guess here. My parents, when I was a kid, yes, it was a record, okay, vinyl record. I think it was a, a Christian musical called The Music Man. I don't know. Anybody else ever heard that? I think there's a song on there. <laughs> called Have Patience. I'm not going to sing it for you. I'm going to tell you the words. See, I remember it. They were playing, probably played it in my earshot, so I don't hear it. Anyway, um, it says, Have Patience, Have Patience. Don't be in such a hurry. When you get impatient, you don't want to start to worry. Remember, remember that God is patient too, so think of all the times that God has to wait on you. I'll never forget that little song. Have Patience. So patience showed up in how we deal with other people. And this is where I have lack patience in my life. Honestly, this is an area that I know that I have to grow in. Because obviously what we start to find in with all the fruit of the Spirit, it always turns outward towards our interactions with other people. Love turns out. Joy turns out. Peace turns out. Be peaceful. Patience turns out. Kindness turns out. Right? So learning how to be patient with other people is a mark of the Christian life because we're driven by love. Obviously, God is patient with us, and we're so thankful for His patience, right? What yeah. one, one of the things that, that I constantly thank God for is His patience with me. Yeah. And I just know He's very patient with me. And I'm very thankful for His patience. Because just like my parents were playing that record so I could learn that song. <laughs> God is doing the same sort of thing with He's trying to teach me patience. So God is patient with us. His patience showed up in His forgiveness. His patience showed up in His willingness to keep on with me, even when I don't deserve it. And what happens is that we then turn and learn patience towards the people around us in the same way that God has patience with us. And by the way, patience shows up in the biggest way when you're patient with somebody that doesn't deserve it. <laughs> Heard that. Right? So, uh, how many of you guys have been getting the marriage minutes? Okay, good. 1 Corinthians 13. The very first uh, characteristic of love is love is patient. So I said in the marriage minute, if you got it, that a test case of whether you really love your spouse is, is how patient are you with them? It should make you think a little bit. But it's not just patience with your spouse, it's patience with the person you work with. It's, it's patient 
when you're standing in Walmart and you have two things and there's only one lane open and the person in front of you, you've got two carts and you've got the slowest Walmart cashier in the history of the world right in front of you. Flip, and all of a sudden the little white comes on. <laughs> help on aisle four. Help on aisle four. Really? We're the spirit of patience. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that cashier wants to be doing what's going on right now? No. It's not like, hey, I'm going to have fun today. Let me just aggravate everybody. That person's got those two cars they need to grow trees. They beat you to the line. You fall anyhow. Why would you show a lack of patience with those people? What's the point? What's the point? You know, uh, sometimes driving to work in the morning, and barely I'll get behind somebody that's going like 50, right? It's under the speed limit. If I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not a speeder, right? I'm generally pretty much right around the speed limit. And sometimes it happens not long before I turn into the church parking lot of my office. And I always have this dog just burning around this person. But then I thought, you know, I would, it, it would be okay to do that because they're going under the speed limit. But then I thought, what kind of a great witness is that? Burn around that person and I'm cutting clothes back to my turn signal vision and going to the trick park. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Patience. Why, why can't I wait an extra two minutes? Or, now, I'd probably not even a minute at the end of the day. You know what I mean? I'm not saying you can't catch people. Do you see my point? Patience showed up in a lot of different things. If your patience showed up, in your facial demeanor. <laughs> Most of us don't have very good programs. You may not be saying nothing, but your face is shouting all sorts of stuff. And the way you stand there. Your patience. It's one, of, it's one of the great, I'm telling you, there's power in being peaceable and there's power in patience. We think power is gifts of spirit. Amen. Yes, moving them. But there's also power in the outward work of the fruit of the Spirit. Because, listen, no tree fights fruit. And let me tell you something. When you finally get up to that Walmart cashier that was just struggling, and maybe maybe got the business from the person that was there, and they had to turn a little light on to find whatever it was, they, they, uh, barcode was on. One of the best things in the world they can have at that moment is somebody that smiles at them and is nice to them and patient with them because it might be the only break they had for the last two hours. That's right. People are rude. Yeah. And you know a tree buys fruit. You see what I'm saying? Because to be a light in the world involved telling the gospel. But Jesus said it also shows up that they may see your good deeds works, things you do, that they may praise your Father in heaven. You will never do the good deed, the works, unless the fruit of the Spirit is grown. Because if the fruit of kindness is not grown, you won't be kind. If goodness is not grown, you won't be good. If gentleness isn't grown, you won't be gentle. If patience isn't grown, you won't be patient. Good works show up because those things are evident in how you treat and deal with people. Amen. No tree bites fruit. Amen? So, be active. So you think about the fruit of the Spirit. I pray to If you don't know my heart, learn it. It'd be a part of prayer life. Lord, Lord Jesus, I pray today I'm growing in love. I'm growing in joy. I'm growing in peace. I'm growing in patience. Lord, help me grow in kindness. I cry, I, I grow in goodness. You pray these things. You are asking God to do something in your life. And then, then, when, then when you pray that, and when you step out, instead of being kind and gentle, you're harsh, the Holy Spirit will convict you. And you'll know it. And you step back and say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I was harsh, I was short. I didn't mean to do that. Please forgive me. Now, that's not just to get over the moment. That's an avenue now where it helped me the next time. Right? 
Amen? Let's grow. Let's be in the process of growing into what God intends us to be in this world. Amen? 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 Amen. 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 All right, let's pray. that we have a place to go. You are taking us somewhere. After we're mindful of it, but, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit helps us in these things, Lord. And I pray that we literally are a people, that, that people will see our demeanor, they, they, they see our actions, they hear the things that we say, how we say it, and, and it marks that this is something different than what normally is happening in this world. Lord, help us. <coughs> That as we are people who are growing in the fruit of the Spirit, that we are taking a light to the world. We are standing for you. We're strong in you. But I pray that because of who we are, that we are not a hindrance to the gospel. We're those who share it freely. And as much as we can, live lives that are evidence of what we proclaim in this world. But thank, thank you for helping us. Thank you for growing us. Thank you for this evidence of you in our lives. And, and Lord, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's for your glory, your glory. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. 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 All right, Sunday, we're back to priorities. We're going to talk about work and rest on Sunday. So, be